Be part of an innovative fine arts community immersed in a top research university. Carnegie Mellon University's School of Music's world-class vocal department constantly works at the cutting edge of musical art forms. CMU performance faculty are creating projects that leverage musicians' skill sets in unique and applicable ways. Students are challenged to think outside the box as they engage with non-traditional performance spaces, collaboration with electronics, and improvisation, alongside a robust program of traditional studies, languages, recitals, and operas. To learn more about Carnegie Mellon University and to apply, visit the link in the show notes of this episode. This is So Lit Song Lit, a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative, where we reimagine the repertoire by introducing less familiar art songs through sound clips and lively discussion. I'm vocal coach Ellen Rissinger. And I'm soprano Tony Marie Palmertree. Join us as we explore this exciting repertoire. So Lit, So Lit, reimagining the repertoire. This week, unfortunately, Tony couldn't be with us, but we do have a guest who is an expert in the songs that we're about to talk about, the leader of Heinrich Marschner. I have to say that I am so thrilled to be talking about these songs because when I was in graduate school, I got to do a Marschner opera. So today we have Dr. Jeffrey Williams of Austin P. State University with us, who's collected and compiled several volumes of these. How many volumes of these are there? Yeah, so I personally did 20 of the songs. Um, So 17 of them are solo songs and three of them are a baritone and soprano duet. And then I also did another edition of all opera arias um, for baritones and basses. There are 16 of those, 12 for baritone and four for bass. So those are the editions I've done. And then I also have all the editions that were from recital publications that used to be Walter Foster and now is owned by Glendower and Classical Vocal Reprints. So there are I believe eight. They're really big, the Grusser Romanzen, like giant romances, big romances, the legends, ballads, like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think there are eight of those volumes from Walter Foster and Recital Publications, and then uh, my two. And also there's this man in Germany. I don't know if you, have you ever seen this, Ellen? No, I have not seen this before. Um, It says, Große Sammlung der Lieder und Balladen Heinrich Marschner. So the uh the great the big collection of songs and ballads by Heinrich Marschner how many pages is that 242 pages wow it's a lovely edition i found this online this comes in high voice and low voice and then there's also an edition that is all original keys and and so this is you know, these are the same songs in high and low. And so I have the low one because that's me. Um, but then you can, um, the like libraries would have the one, I think that are all original keys. So his name is Alexander Ashoff. Um, and so he lives in a small town in Germany and he's really passionate about Marschner leader. Um, he's actually a teacher and um, like not a voice teacher, uh, just like a, <laughs> a sort of like secondary teacher and a, a sort of like a hobbyist as a singer. And he's really passionate about Marschner. And so he made these editions and um, he actually sent this to me himself. Um, and we've been in contact a lot. And when I was doing my own Marshner research, he helped me get a lot of the sheet music from libraries of things that I couldn't get, you know, especially I was doing a lot of my research during COVID and a lot of the libraries were closed down. 
the thing about Marschner, what I loved about the opera that we did, we did Der Vampir at CCM in 1944. <laughs> and we all loved the music, but what I really enjoyed was that he loved baritones. Yes. So the the song cycle, or I don't know if it's so much a song cycle as just a Liederheft, a group of songs, the Liederheft vom Rhein that we're going to talk about today it seems like in a lot of his songs seem to be set for a medium slash baritone voice. As baritone, so grateful for that. In Marschner's lifetime, the term baritone was really just coming into acceptance. Everyone that was a lower voiced male singer was just a bass. And so all of Mozart's lower voice characters, they're all basses, they're not baritones. The term baritone was really just coming into sort of prominence. And, you know, I think Verdi gets a lot of credit for what he did for the baritone voice, but I'm so grateful for Marschner's music. And I mean, the reason I found it, you mentioned Vampir. And so when I was doing a lot of auditioning, I was having a hard time finding a German aria that showcased what I could do and was sort of like the right weight of voice for me. And so like, if I would go in singing like Papageno, for example. You know, Papageno is really sort of like folksy, light voice in general. It's sometimes more of an actor than a singer. And then like a Die Tote Stadt, for example, you know, something like that, where it's like a really lyrical um, voice, you kind of have to do the highlight stuff. And so for Marschner, it tends to be thicker in the middle and, and usually not like a Wagnerian voice, but pretty close, I think, to Wagnerian. Um, and I think that's where Wagner got a lot of his ideas in terms of like the weight of the lower voices. For me, it was such a gift finding Marschner when I was in graduate school, because I felt like I found a composer that f understood the baritone voice and wrote in a way that showcased what I could do. So we've been talking about his operas, and I should make sure to mention that Heinrich Marschner was the most important composer of German operas between Karl Maria von Weber and Wagner. So he was actually a very important composer in his time period. I had found this set of songs, the Liederheft vom Rhein, back when I was doing a recital about, I think it was called Fremde Freunde, about the, the sort of enemy, the love-hate, I guess, love-hate relationship between France and Germany, and we were looking for something about the Rhineland, and I was super excited when I came across this set of songs, and I didn't realize at the time that he had composed so many songs. How many does he have? Yeah, it's um, 430 songs, <laughs> which is really staggering. It's crazy. Um, and so, you know, you could put all the songs of like Beethoven and Robert Schumann, Clara Schumann, Mendelssohn, you put all of them together and it's it's still not as many as Marschner. It's really staggering just the amount of them. And so yeah, Liederhaft vom Rhein is opus 186, which is quite late in his lifetime. And so he wrote 191 opus numbers. That 186, the Liederhaft, it's a great sort of late opus number of Marschners. And for people who like to do collections or cycles. Uh, Marschner has some really great ones. One of his first things that kind of got him on the map, Zex Vandalida, um, six sort of wander songs, Opus 35. <laughs> Marschner is kind of an important person in that lineage of it, like very much like Schubert, um, you know, of this person going on a journey and the sort of narration is continuous through 
the song cycle. It's a cool work um, and that also works well for medium voice. It's a little high, it's definitely too high for me um, and really for most baritones, I would think. It goes up to A. So it's more, you know, either maybe a low tenor, or like sort of like a mezzo would be nice for a mezzo. Marsano is the text and they're cool songs. A couple of them have been recorded um, and they're on Spotify, but not the whole cycle. And I don't know why there there's a nice, a, a good number of uh, groups of songs sort of like that, um, that are, they're just, they make nice recital pieces. I don't know why people don't do them more. What I love about this first song, Still an der Kühnen Flut, actually, what I like about all of them is that when I look at it on the page, the piano part looks to me as though I'm going to see the, the, the indication like andantino, relaxed, comfortable. And every time I turn the page, every song is like eilig, which means hurried or etwas bewegt, a little bit moving, like some, somewhat moving. So I always feel like what I'm looking at is slightly different from what I end up hearing when I play it. He seems to like things to move along. Yeah, I, you're totally right. It's sort of like the texture, looking at it on the page, it sort of gives you an idea of how fast you think it might go. But then, yeah, looking at it sort of like, yeah, and we're moving, <laughs> we're ready to go. So yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. Looking at the piano parts, you can sort of look at them and, and think, hmm, yeah, this doesn't look maybe like the most complex music on the page, but sort of when you really perform it right, it has like a really nice freshness to it. So yeah, it's, I, I think a lot of his songs in terms of a context, I think you hear a lot of Mendelssohn, I think in his songs and like a lot of Robert Schumann and, you know, it makes sense. They were friends. They like were in salons and Leipzig together, you know, so you can sort of understand that their sounds would meld a little bit. The piano writing for Marschner, I think, is is pretty distinct for a composer that maybe a lot of people don't know super well. Yeah, I agree. And what I love about this Still an der Kühlen Flut, there, there's a lot of stepwise motion. So I feel like he shows you sort of the stillness. <laughs> but when he says, you know, do you know it? Do you know it? It gets a little more angular. It gets a little more choppy. So I feel like he's really painting the words just with the line of the melody. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And always finds a way to, to land on something colorful. I love the way he uses uh, sort of chromaticism and his harmonies are always so beautiful. So interesting. Yeah. He's got this crunchy little diminished chord at the end of the first page. And it's kind of like, oh my God, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm moving on here, the second song is about the Lorelei. And if you don't know who the Lorelei is, then you probably should go look it up because there are lots of poems and lots of songs about Lorelei. But when I first found this set, the one song that really spoke to me was Es schauen die Ruinen. I just love, I love the marchiness of it. I love the strength of it. In some ways, it's a different feel to it, but I, I it reminds me a little bit of the Dichterliebe sixth song Im Rhein im Heiligen Strome, 
because of the 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 architecture, I guess. They're both talking about the Rhine, but there's something about the way it's just architecturally laid out that reminds me of that. Absolutely. And a nice contrast to the first song, you know, because I feel like the first song is lyrical and like, yeah, I kind of like the march, how you mentioned that. Yeah. does give us a whole lot of range in this set. Yeah. And then we get something like Auch in der Fremde. And if I were just looking at this on the page, if this were Schumann, this would be Larghetto. This would be something very slow. But he has this marked as etwas eilig, somewhat hurried. So he does seem to want to shove us ahead. But we're still in romantic music. So do we have some license to have some rubato, to have some push and pull in this? It's a good question, because I sort of feel like when you put it in the context of the other leader at this time, you know, you mentioned Dichterliebe and like Schumann and stuff. How, how do you feel about that? You know, when you listen to, there's so many fabulous recordings of Schumann leader, you know, if you just take that one as an example. How do you feel about sort of rubato in romantic leader in this sort of like 18... 30s, 1840s time period? Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was because I have coached Dichterliebe four times in the three years since I have returned from Germany. <laughs> so that's my disclaimer on how I couch this answer. Um, I, For me, I would say it, it's based on the text. If you can find a textual reason for taking some time, then by all means. The problem is that some people, or many people, may, maybe many of us, want to wallow a little bit. Yes, yeah. And, I mean, can we get away with wallowing? Yeah, absolutely we can get away with wallowing in Schumann. But I feel like in this music, he never writes a rallentando. He never actually gives you kind of any indication about that, except these sort of hurried indications right at the beginning. So, I mean, if we're talking... Schumann, he'll give us Rallentando, Ritardando, and then never, never tell us when to come back. <laughs> right. But I feel like because Marschner never tells us when we can take the time, uh, this is why I'm asking the question, do we have some freedom within this? Yeah, I mean, I will say, yeah, I think it's completely up to the singer. It is really having gone through, you know, all 430 of the songs, um, the alargandos and the retardandos and things like that are really rare across the songs. And so I appreciate that it seems to me, you know, I never had a conversation with Moshna, but uh, I would think that he's leaving that up to the collaboration, sort of up to the singers instead of writing it in the scores, mm -hmm. which is, is a definite difference from Schumann. Marshner was really sensitive to text we're getting in this group, you know, we're getting really good contrast in the music from song to song. It's sort of like putting dynamics in the score, you know, sort of like that with dynamics and the uh, tempo indications and things like that. So 
yeah, I appreciate that, you know, it's really up to this sort of artistry of the performers. Especially with Auch in der Fremde, uh, you start off with this sixth and then this big octave. And I feel like if it, if it goes too fast in any voice, you don't have the time to really keep the connection, to keep the legato going. So I feel like you need to take some time, even though he didn't write in specifically to give it to you. Yeah, Marschner loves his leaps, loves yeah. his leaps. Yeah, six, and they're really expressive devices. You know, he loves minor six as well as major six, depending on the key. It forces the singer, I think, to be really lyrical and beautiful and expressive to like be able to do that in sort of a round shaped way and sort of not like. Um, so it's it's nice. But yeah, you know, you need time and sort of agileness to do that. Exactly. Okay, so that having been said, what sort of level are we looking at for singers? One of the things I love about the way you have the book set up is that you have the range listed at the beginning with each song. And if I'm looking specifically at this set, it looks like almost every song is the range is basically within an octave or slightly more than an octave. Is this something you could give to beginners? Is it something that would be better for uh, slightly more advanced students or profession or only professionals or is this something you could start learning when you're younger and sort of grow with it yeah I would think so you know if we're talking about sort of like undergrad and graduate I would say probably like a late undergrad I think that these would work well because it is a nice mixture of lyrical stepwise stuff and the leaps you know Marshner is always going to leap especially thinking to like a voice teacher and pedagogically, you know, there are really good things to work on in these songs. The things that even too, if you're going from like Marshner's songs to Marshner's arias, um, you know, they're going to be really good stepping stones to say, okay, we're going to cover this in this song and it's going to be meaningful when we move into this like later on. So yeah, I think that there is definitely a place to do this like as a late undergrad, certainly as a graduate student. I don't know that I would give these to a student as like their first German songs ever per se, but yeah, I, I would say late undergrad. I feel like too, the more comfortable you are with the language, the, the easier it'll be to negotiate some of those leaps mm -hmm. and purchase information. So you have several of these volumes and they're available at classicalvocalreprints.com. But you also have a really fabulous website to tell us about. Yes, the MarshnerSongDatabase.com. And so I tried to make this website as user-friendly as humanly possible. With this database, when you click on About the Database, it'll tell you everything that the website does. There are 430 songs on here. And so you can go to the search page. Like, for example, if you're looking up songs about the Rhine, you know, for example, you can sort of like just type in the word Rhine and you'll see like all the songs that will pop up and which is great. Or if you're looking for a particular poet, for example, if you want to type in like Heinrich Heine, you know, then you'll see all the Heine songs that Marschner set. You can look them up um, by difficulty. Um, so what I did for difficulty, I just did easy, moderate and hard. And so usually that had to do with like, for example, in the 
um, Lita Hef am Rhein, the Opus 186, like a lot of those are sort of two page songs. And um, like what you said, you know, the range is not huge. So like the Opus 186, that would be sort of like in the easy to moderate range. And then something hard, usually like Marshner has some really lengthy ballads and, and things that sort of go on for over 10 minutes. Those are definitely in the hard category just because of just pulling it together, you know takes quite a bit of time. Um, and so, yeah, difficulty is there. Um, also voice designation. So if you're a soprano, it's all original keys and original designations by Marshner and the publisher. Like, for example, there's the one, I'm sure you know about this too, from uh, Walter Foster and Recital Publications. It's just like a generic um, Marshner Lita album. So there are nine songs in here. And so there's a high voice version of this and a low voice version. For example, you can get these nine songs in multiple keys. So in the database, I just put the original keys. So then it's by who it would be appropriate for in the original key. Exactly. Um, so that's there. Um, also on the website, I have the songs separated by their form. So strophic or through composed. Um, like mm -hmm. I said, the poet, um, if you're looking up things by opus number, that's all cataloged on there. So his first set of songs is Opus 5. Some really cool guitar songs for voice and guitar that are really uh, kind of put Marshner on the map. There's one more thing that is super cool. You also say next to the song where you can purchase it. Oh yeah, exactly. Yes. A lot of Marshner right now is available on IMSLP if you want to do that. None of the songs that are in my edition are, are on IMSLP. So, you know, that's why the purchase link is there um, yeah. and all of Glendower stuff. So of course, everything is just respectful to the classical vocal reprints or the Alexander Rashoff edition and things like that. So yeah, where, where to purchase the music. There's also just a purchase page. Um, if you want to just go there instead of going to the single song. Um, so you can just go on there on the purchase page, go across. And so like my songs for baritone edition is on there. The nine liter for high, for high voice and low voice. The one that I just mentioned mm -hmm. is there. The ein Lieder hat vom Rhein. The Opus 186 is there. I put the um the title pages uh, on there so you can sort of see uh, everything that there is to choose from. And then if you scroll all the way down, um, that's where the Grosse Sammlung, the Alexander Rashoff thing is. And you can go to his website. It's all in German. So don't click on anything without translating it first <laughs> if, if you don't know German, but the, that sheet music is there. You've also recorded some of these songs. What's the name of that CD? Yeah, so it's just his name. Heinrich Marschner Songs for Baritone is the name of the CD. And is this available on Spotify, Apple Music, places, any place we're looking for this, these things? Yeah, all those places. Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all that good stuff. Our guest today was Dr. Jeffrey Williams of Austin Peay State University. Musical performances on this episode were performed by baritone Micah Madison and pianist Ellen Risser, recorded at Carnegie Mellon University's recording studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Purchase information for the scores discussed in this episode are available in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this podcast. Episodes drop every first, third, and fifth Thursday of the month. So Lit Song Lit is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org slash podcasts. Sonic.
Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events. And we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit CincinnatiSongInitiative.org audit.